What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, we're brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Tana Supers family. I'm here today with Tana Supers Editor-in-Chief, Carl Tige. What's going on, man? Uh, what's going on, dude? How's it going? Yeah, yeah, really well. Um, basketball, just, we're just talking off air. Basketball's almost back. It's less than two weeks away now, so... Uh, getting very excited for the season, and obviously we've just kind of come out the the hectic period of the off season, the draft and free agency. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to do uh, hows and growls, which if you've listened to the podcast before, you know is pretty much just a a fancy way of saying our likes and dislikes. Um, we've got a couple of each today. I, I know we've got a few things we we really want to get into, and it was a it was. A strange off season, I guess it was. It was a bit quieter than a lot of other teams, but there was still a lot to talk about with the Timberwolves. Obviously, they had the the first overall pick, and there was a there was draft night trades and re-signings when when free agency opened up. So we'll get into it straight away. I'll, I'll start with my how because I've got a little a little rant that I want to go on. It's a, it's a good rant, I guess, but um, it's something that I've I've definitely been thinking about for for a while now um and that how is is taking swings on on creative prospects like right now i think i think there's no archetype more more valuable in the league or, or conducive to winning that than the creator type um type stereotype type prospect um by that i don't just mean passes i mean players with that that nucleus scoring potential players who can create shots for themselves consistently and create shots for others and, and someone really who you can just run an offense through on the perimeter and hopefully um, get get serviceable defense out of, or if not, you know, really good defense. I think the most the most valuable subset of, of these players are like the mega creators, which is kind of like the guys who are who are true wing size, like like Luca, you know, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, um, those kind of guys who who can pretty much play as a team's point guard and and function as as the primary scoring option and and primary passer um at, at wing size at, at you know above six six um and i think that minnesota kind of did target those though that archetype um in the draft obviously ricky rubio isn't that at that level just because he can't punish teams as a scorer enough um and malik beasley is more of a, a sniper type with, with limited creation skills but i think taking swings on on anthony edwards leandro balmaro and Jaden mcdaniel's is taking a swing on that on that creator archetype. I'm not saying that that either of those guys are going to be Luca and you know Balmaro and McDaniel's would have to plow through their ceilings to to even get close to that. Um, but guys with with size, ball handling, shot making, shot creation in their games to go along with with budding playmaking skills, um, that's really valuable to me. And and it's likely even if they never get to the elite level, it's it's likely that that mold of play is more valuable. Um, than other players that, that don't reach their potential. So with Edwards especially, I think I think that's the gamble you take. You take a gamble on a guy who who, at, in his future, at his best, can potentially you can potentially run an offense through on the perimeter. And, and obviously you have Towns and you have Russell, so you don't need him to do that straight away, and you might not need him to do that ever. But but that's the that's the prospect, that's the archetype that I think is the the most valuable in the NBA. They're they're the guys you know you've got. Jimmy Butler in the in the finals this year. LeBron's obviously like a another level of of creator freak. Um, but you know Boston did really well in the playoffs. Um, Kawhi Leonard's always there or thereabouts. Won the championship um, the season before. Obviously he's in that same mold. So so that mold of player, I think it's very smart to take a gamble on that. And 
yeah, I, that's one thing that I really came out of the draft thinking that that was a plus. If you can get, if one of those guys hit uh, Edwards, Bomaro, McDaniels, if one of those guys hit and they can become creator type, initiator type prospects, um, then I think I think you've you've had a really good draft. So so that's kind of that was a great point by the way. So that's kind of the mo for or you know Gerson and his front office is. When they draft, you know, like let's go back to the Culver draft. We've had we've had two drafts now. They and he's that same mold, Culver. Yeah, like he's, yep. he obviously hasn't worked out, but um, he's the same kind of player who who's big, tall. You know, he can dribble the ball, dribble, pass, shoot. Like that's the play that that's so valuable right now. And so yeah, so going back to Culver, like I don't, I think the book is still out on him. I mean, I think he was, you know, he he had he flashed in his first year, but he also was bad. Like there's a lot of ways to just look at him. He was underperformer. But I think as we've learned now through a couple of drafts and going back to your whole howl about just kind of taking swings, I don't think this this is a baseball reference over here in the States, but they're not going to try to hit singles. They're not going to try to go get role players in the end of the first round. I, actually, with it, we're not going to hop around too much, but my growl was kind of how they handled the, the back end of the first round. I feel like they did leave some value out there. I mean, for a team that sucks which, again, you and I both love the Timberwolves, but they, they do suck right now, record-wise. Um, you know, the, the Balmero pick is fun, and everything you said is true, but on the same side, it's like he's not going to be here for a couple of years, and when you've been bad this long, you wouldn't, you know, it's tough to be like, well, wait two more years for a guy. So so I didn't love how they handled some of the value. I felt like they could have gotten a little more, milked it a little more, but the guys they took, like you said, Balmero, they're trying to swing for the fences. They're trying to see, like, is can this be a Manu Ginobili type creator uh, on the perimeter? Uh, McJade McDaniels. I mean, he was, I think, I was talking to Dane, uh, Dane Moore. I thought he was like a top five high school prospect. I mean, he was a big deal going in, going into college, goes up to Washington. He's not the first elite high school prospect to go to University of Washington and then kind of fizzle out. I mean, Jalen Noel was kind of the same thing, fizzled out, fell into the second round. So they took swings. I like that because that's what you do when you're a bad team in a small market. You don't go try to find, you know, a 12-minute-a-guy sharpshooter in the end of the first round. Good, The Lakers probably do. The Spurs do, like, when they were good. But the Wolves just need lottery tickets. They need guys that can be triples or, you know, home runs in that later thing. So I, my stance was I feel like they got 80 cents on the dollar for what they had in that, you know. I thought that 33rd pick in the second round was really valuable. And I think they just kind of threw it into that trade, you know. I don't know. That, yeah, that's for you yeah. to decide. Other people to talk about too. But, but yeah, the guys they pulled away with. I think Jaden McDaniel's. I don't know if he's going to play a lick this year. I just think he's still pretty raw. If um, I'm not familiar exactly with what the G League is going to do, but if they're going to have a season or like mini bubbles for the G League, I imagine Jaden McDaniel's be down there a lot. But hopefully, the Iowa coaching staff, which has been really good. I mean, they coached up Nas Reed. Uh, hopefully they can kind of coach Jane McDaniels up and then next season, 2021, 2022, um, you can get him over and then the following year get Balmero. So they took swings. I'm with you. I just, I kind of wish we would have gotten, you know, there was a lot of guys in that end of the first round after all the draft pieces that you did and talking to Tyler Metcalf and Jack Borman and all those guys, there was guys I fell in love with and I was just sad that we passed on them. So, but I trust Rosas. I trust that they know what they're doing. And like you said, they have a, bevy of guys now that can you know handle and create and initiate offense and they want to play so fast 
man, they want to play so fast. They need multiple <laughs> guards on the team. So, yeah, and, and I completely agree with the the value aspect of it. I'm not sure that the way that the asset management, you know, in that in that trade with with that ended up with Balmaro, the trade with New York. Um, I'm not sure that was great asset manage, asset management, and I'm not sure in general whether the whether Balmaro and McDaniel's are even going to be decent players or players at all in Balmaro's case. Like, he might not ever come over. Like, I'm, I'm sure he will. But, you know, him and McDaniels have way more question marks than they have answers. But I think it's more, it's more the, the, the yeah, the, the archetype that I like. It's the archetype that I think wins games if they do hit their ceiling. And like you said, they're not, they're not out trying to hit singles. They're not out trying to hit doubles. Like, they're trying to hit home runs. And I think right now you, you hit more home runs with, with those kind of guys than you do with, with centers or with, even with point guards who obviously, um, have a ton of value in the league these days. Like there's point guard creators, you know, you, you Damian Lillard's and, and Steph Curry's obviously, uh, nuclear, you know, assets to have on a team, but it's, it's the big creators. It's the guys who can, can run a team as a wing and, and allow you to have sh- a sharp shooting point guard and, and sharp shooting guards around him. Um, I think they're the most valuable mold in the league. Um, and, and, and while I don't know if Balmaro and McDaniels will ever even get close to the level that they need to, 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 I guess, um, justify the way that they, they did the end of that draft and the trades they made. I just think that, that taking a swing on that kind of player is, is much better than taking a swing on a, on a big, on a, on a small guard because they just don't work out as much. And even when they do work out, they're not really at the same level as, as a, you know, mega creator kind of guy. And, and I, going back to, like I said, Sadiq Bayer or some of these guys, I mean, you and Tyler and Jack kind of helped me fall in love with, you know, some of these lower first round guys because you wrote so well and you studied them so well. But I will say the caveat to that is go back and just look at um, basketball reference. Just look at a draft recap from 2019, 2018. A lot of the guys in the end of the first round that you loved back then, I mean, they don't always hit. So, yeah. you know, Gers and Ryan and the, the front office and Sasha, they're not trying to find guys to be ninth men. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. either going to try to find a guy that's going to be a rotation starter in a year, two years, or guys that probably just fizzle out. But again, that's kind of the home run mentality. They know that in Minnesota, you can't, they, there's no, you can't do much with a bunch of eighth men. You know what I mean? Like, trying to find the next Isaiah Cannon isn't going to make the Timberwolves a, not a bad team anymore. They need to find guys that are kind of, Diamonds in the rough, so I didn't love the value, but I, yeah. I, I like the philosophy, like you said. Yeah, and we've seen in the in the free agency process that, that they don't just get players to come to Minnesota. Like even you know role players are hard to come by, so to find a star outside of the draft is pretty much impossible. Yeah. Um, and to, to even find starter level talent, you know, outside of the draft or, or trades with you know like we saw with Beasley and and with Juancho and Gomez, it's it's almost impossible to find a guy who can give you thirty minutes a night, um, just on the on the free agency wire. So and the contracts yeah. and the contract stuff matters too, because go back yeah. and look at how much those guys make at the bottom end of the first round. If you can control their rights for three to four years at one, two, maybe three million dollars, that's huge. Because if those guys pan out, you're getting really good level production out of a guy making you know essentially a little more north of the veteran minimum. So. Um, I get the I get the rationale. Like I said, I, I I'm nitpicking at the value part of it, but I'm with you. Like take swings. This we watched all those games in the bubble. We talked all the time offline. Like 
it's just a it's a guard league. Like you need bigs. Obviously, the Timberwolves have their big, but you just need guys that can facilitate, that can initiate offense, that can push the pace, and and they did. They they went for swings, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. So so, what's your first how? Well, I should I've realized this now building this agenda. I should have started this simply by my first how is Timberwolves basketball. Like, coming back. Like, we're sitting here. It's late night on November 28th. I think the last time the Timberwolves played a game was Tuesday, March 10th. So we're, like, almost nine full months. We've been, you know, putting up a lot of good articles at Canis. I think we've been killing it on the website. I have watched and rewatched the Raptors-Wolves game, the one game when D'Angelo and Carl played. I've probably watched that 15 <laughs> times because it's all we have. We've had nothing else. We watched the whole bubble, and God forbid it was awesome. But I'm just so happy to, like, I don't know, when, 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 when the draft was going on and free agency was going on and people started to nitpick and be like, man, the defense is going to suck. Dude, I don't care if the Wolves give up a buck 80 in the first game. Like, just let me watch real live basketball because I can't study any more old, old film. You know what I mean? Like, I can't watch any more of those 14-game sample size after the trade deadline. So... You know it more than anyone. Like, I'm just relieved. I can't wait. I can't wait to just tune up my league pass and get going. So, I'm excited. The Timberwolves are back. I think we have preseason games in, like, what, two weeks? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. Timberwolves basketball is back. Um, I'm optimistic, obviously, and we'll get into this more, but I'm optimistic for the season. I think they have a lot of – I think they have more talent than they've had in a long time. They have no chemistry. I mean, the roster is so <laughs> random and new, so it'll take time to gel. And I don't know if it'll be easier to gel in a year like this that's condensed and everyone's probably forced to hang out more because of the pandemic and the protocols. But I don't know, man. It's just we love this team because we're both sick human beings, and I'm just glad that they're back in our lives. So, Yeah, well, like that that reminded me, I guess, when, when you were saying, like, as much as I've loved – doing these podcasts and doing the articles about the draft, like I'm so happy to not, you know, go and watch a, a Tennessee game or Mississippi <laughs> Mississippi State. Like like I'm so ready for it to just be Minnesota again. And, and even when I was doing the Ricky Rubio article that, that went up on Canis a week or two ago, or this week I think, um, I was so happy to just be watching like regular basketball, like, you know, Phoenix basketball even, even if it wasn't Minnesota, and just thinking about the Timberwolves rather than, than draft prospects and, and just, yeah, I'm so, I'm so on board with what you said. I think that, that we're completely ready for it to come back. It's been, what, nine months now. Um, the team has pretty much transformed since then. We, we've speculated on the draft. I think that's almost going back to our point before is that we had so much time to speculate on the draft that I think any outcome was going to be sort of disappointing just yeah, because that's a good point. we, we just like, we didn't we had so many options in our head and I think the maybe the one option we we didn't have was was how it worked out with these ended up with two picks in the in the late twenties or in the you know in the late first round. Um it, it was it's almost disappointing just because we'd gone over every single scenario in our head and just couldn't couldn't nail it down on the night. But yeah, I, I'm so ready for the Timberwolves to be back. I'm so ready to to watch basketball. Like you said, I don't care if they give up 180 in the first game. I don't. I don't care <laughs> about they, the and defense. They, and they will. They probably will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, if I can see Carl Anthony Towns drop 30 and 15, you know, once this year, 
then I'll, I'll be happy because even even with Towns, it's even more pronounced just because like he was out for so long before the the end of last season, and and he obviously had injury issues all season. So I'm just um I'm so excited to see Cat back. I'm so excited to see him and D'Lo, and then you know Anthony Edwards in in there with them, Malik Beasley. It's a, it's I think it's going to be a fun team. I think no matter if they win or they lose, I think this is, like you said, a team that's got more talent than they've had for a long time. They've got pace. They've got shooting. Um, they might, they might not win 50 games, but I think they're going to, they're going to win 50 games in our hearts. So, um, yeah. Uh, what, what's your second how? We'll go, we'll go straight into that because I know that was just a, just a quick one that we won't need to get out of the way. Yeah, I wanted to. So I'll just go back to what you talked about a couple minutes ago. Um, my second how was the uh, the Rubio reunion. Uh, if you listen to Dane Moore's podcast, I went I went in pretty hard about my feelings on it on on the court and off the court. You wrote a fent. I mean, we've had a couple of really great pieces on on the site from John Meyer and from you. Um, I think you touched on everything. Like you 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 handled it perfectly and I, I told you this but you blended emotion with actual basketball stuff like I just talked about the emotion stuff like I talked about <laughs> me crying and then smiling and then crying again but I I think the move even going back to how I kind of complained about how they handled the back end of the first round and some of that stuff the Rubio thing is awesome like I, I don't see I, I know Britt Robson of The Athletic was kind of the the antagonist and kind of against it or he made some really good points about how maybe they burned the James Johnson asset without really getting much value. And the counter to that is obviously they just punted a year and maybe Rubio's an expiring contract. They flipped down the road. I don't think that's the case. I do think he's back here for a while. I think they know how important he is to the fan base, but also to the on-court stuff and also to the mentorship thing. That's the thing that I love. Like, I know he can still play. I watched him in Phoenix because I've I followed him. Like, when he left, he wasn't like other guys that leave. He's my favorite player. Like Kevin Garnett was a little before my time, before I really grasped basketball. Rubio was, you know, my, my, my prize. Like we waited for him. We never thought he would come over. He did come over. He electrified the fan base. Um, And now that he, I mean, I never thought he'd be back. I know that there was rumors when he was in the Chris Paul trade and it's like, maybe he's available, but I don't know. I think you and I both thought that was a shot in the dark. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that he's back, it sucks that there's not going to be fans in the stands the first game because I think he would get a Kevin Garnett-like uh, welcome from Minnesota fans. Yeah. But I just think, and I was saying this to Dane, I think the fact that he has been a top a top prospect or a top draft pick in this market, I think specifically he is going to help Anthony Edwards kind of just feel comfortable in this city, feel comfortable in this team. I know they brought in Ed Davis, but they don't have a lot of leaders and I don't say that in a bad way to Carl or to D'Angelo because those guys are 24 man like it's tough to lead even if you're the highest paid guy you can only lead so much by example at at a certain age so you know Rubio's 30 I think he's going to come in I think he's going to command the locker room I think he's going to use his upbeat smile and beautiful hair to to address the issues when there are issues and to build guys up when they need to be built up and I just I mean, the draft was good. I think we're going to talk about Anthony Edwards and how happy I am for that. But I mean, the Rubio thing, man, was a dream come true. Like, we waited nine months. Um, and just, I try to think about, like, even if you're not in love with the Rubio thing, think about, like, a year ago where we're at, coming back from the Bahamas, and, like, the roster that they had. Like, imagine if we were walking into this season with Andrew Wiggins on the team and, like, the seventh pick in the draft. Like, Patrick Williams. Yeah. Like, you know how boring this would be if our team was Shabazz Napier, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, 
a Kogi, Patrick Williams, Conte Towns like that, dude, come on. Like, none of us really give a bleep about that roster. So Rubio should make them better on the court. He should also just bring a ton of excitement. And I think he's going to be huge off the court because I think he knows, and he said it in, in a quote to John Krasinski, this is like a home for him. This was his first United States home coming over from Spain, and he's always had a special place in his heart. Uh, and I'm just excited to see him play because I think he has a lot of juice left. And I think he wants to bring the team back to the playoffs because that was his goal when he came here as a you know a 21-year-old kid. So that was my rant. Yeah. I just had to get that off my chest because when it's well, Rubio, I'm going to talk for an hour or so. <laughs> well, I completely agree, and I think that ties into my second how, which was just veteran leadership in general. And obviously, you know, I think that it's been – spoken about a lot that the leadership and the and the mentorship that that Ricky Rubio and to a lesser degree Ed Davis bring to this team but I don't think that makes it any less true just because it's been you know ground to a, to a fine paste um obviously the the Edwards and and Mitchell Booker connection like that's that's real the way that the comparisons not not even in game style are in potential obviously Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker uh, all stars in this league and have have shown out on on a big stage before. But Rubio did wonders for both of them for their developments. Um, it allows them to play with someone who not only has a problem playing like off the ball, and, and obviously we, we've all heard about the catch and shoot numbers that how they've improved and, and the three point shooting in general for Ricky. But he he not only has a problem playing off the ball and giving up possessions, but he can spoon feed them them guys easy buckets as well when he does have the ball, and that goes for Russell, it goes for Towns. Um, they're both going to have a field day playing with a you know a drink stirrer like like Rubio, uh, like Rubio. It's just a guy who who knows how to make his teammates better, and I think even if you disregard the off court stuff, which you shouldn't, but if if you disregard the the leadership and the and the locker room presence, um. Just having Ricky Rubio on the team, like Ricky Rubio is, is not washed. Like he's not thirty years old, you know, on the decline. Like if you watch Phoenix last year, they were they were a forty nine win team with Rubio on the court. Like they were, you know, they were eight point five points better or something with with Rubio on the court. I don't have that number right in front of me, but that's just off the top of my head from from the piece I wrote last week. Like this is a guy who makes players better. And he might not have the, the long hair and oh, he does have the long hair, but the flowing <laughs> locks and, and the, you know, the, the wide eyes like he did when he was a rookie in Minnesota. Like he's a bit more grizzled now and a bit more seasoned, but he is still the same guy who makes his, his teammates better whenever he's on the court. And like, obviously this team needs that. They need to, they need to take any little, uh, advantage they can get to, to be a better team. And I don't think Rubio, I think that the PR stuff is, is brilliant. It's you know that this team needs um, that needs the spotlight on them in any way they can. And Rubio is obviously a, a Minnesota legend and a, and a cult hero supreme. But he he helps a lot on the court, and he's not he's not a guy who's there. He's not Kevin Garnett at thirty nine years old. Like he's not you know Taj Gibson or or one of these guys. Like this is this is a really good player still, and and a really good leader and someone who's grown to be a true vocal presence on and off the court. Um, and Ed Davis is the same. So, you know, he, he's not, he's not the, the level of player that Rubio is, but, but he has that same connection with, with Russell, the way that, that Rubio has with Towns from the past. Um, and, and that will allow him to impart wisdom on both of those guys on a daily basis. And 
like Davis has been through six different franchises in nine years as a pro, and and that's invaluable experience. That's that's more than what Rubio's done. You know, he he's seen everything at Davis. So and for someone who's coming in, I was just gonna say I was gonna hop in because I think I wanted to say something about that PR thing because this has been like you know the, the kind of the battle is did the wolf did the wolves make this Rubio thing for PR? My because that was the Kevin Garnett move. Like the Kevin, the, the the old Kevin Garnett move was the PR move by Flip. As much as we all love KG, and, and but but he was washed. But and that's he, why that's, that's my why, favorite player ever. That's why you, I haven't heard it worded like you just said it. It was elegant. Like that was perfect. Because my thing is, is when Kevin Garnett came back, man, that was that was all smoke and mirrors. Like they just <laughs> yeah. you know, they they propped him up there, and his knees were bad. And everyone knew. I mean, Flip knew his knees were bad. But they just, you know, they needed to inject life into the fan base. The Rubio thing, in, in my opinion, and talking to people, Gerson Rosas is not making PR moves. You know what I mean? Like, it, to me, the Ruby, the, it, there's PR that comes with it. But it's kind of like when you order a steak and then you get a free side with it. You know, like, you got the steak for a reason. But yeah, sure, give me some, give me some onion rings or give me a side salad. That's fine. That's the PR side of it. But they brought him in because, like you said, he can play basketball. And that, I mean, that, that's what those guys are doing. They're trying to build a winner on the court. So their models, the way that they're looking at contracts, I mean, anyone who thinks that they're only looking at the 2020 salary cap or salary sheets is high out of their minds. I mean, they have their things projected out to 2025, 2026. I mean, they have, they have a plan what they want to do with Rubio's contract. Maybe they re-sign him with his bird rights in two years when he's a free agent. But, um, but, just, but going back to, like I said, we have a lot of really talented, I think, in 2020, we're well versed in analytics. I mean, you, we, you specifically are really good at it. We got a lot of guys uh, at Canis that really know how to study the numbers and stuff. But I've been, I this is a mini tangent, but I've been like fortunate enough to go back and cover some games. And when they leave the court and your league pass shuts down, they go through a tunnel and then they go into the locker room and the locker room shut off for a while before the media gets in there. And, like, if they're mad or, like, a player's pissed off over playing time or over something that didn't go right or got into a spat with the coach, the locker room's closed before a while. And then the media gets in there a little bit. And then after the media's kicked out, those guys go and get dinner or they go do stuff. They go home. There's a lot of stuff that you don't see in interactions right. with these guys. And that's kind of my thing. Like, I've been in a locker room after a loss because the Wolves do it a lot. So every time I go back, they lost. But I've been in the locker room, and guys are pissed off. And maybe a guy didn't get to play in the fourth quarter because Ryan didn't play him. Or maybe, you know, an end-of-game situation, the pass wasn't made, stuff like That's what Ricky's there for. Ricky's been more successful than anyone on this team. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, he was on some good Utah teams. He was on that good Phoenix team. Ed Davis has been on some good teams, too. But what I'm saying is, Carl Towns hasn't really won anything. Daniel Russell hasn't really won anywhere he's been. Like, he went to Golden State because, you know, he got paid, but also, like, that's a winning franchise. And then they lost a bunch because of how everything broke down with injuries. So, I just think that well, those... Both of, well, both of those guys have been on more playoff, you know, played more playoff games than the Wolves have in, in 15 years, right. 16 years. Right. Like, they, there's obviously more experience and and wisdom in those in between those two guys' ears than, than there is, you know, in, in the entire locker room. And that's not, a, you know, a diss to... To the players in you know in the Minnesota locker room because obviously some of them have had success you know like Beasley and Russell have played playoffs as well but but these are these are guys who have been through the ringer in the league. I, I and, ju- and I just think it's easy. And you know this because I talked to you about this, but I think it's easy to scoff at anyone like myself who is trying to build up the importance of off the court stuff or like your howl leadership because you don't see it. 
know what I mean? The only yeah. thing you see of a player, and again, this is champagne problems of someone who I've got to go into locker rooms and cover games. You only see Instagram, Twitter, or the box score, or like the game. These guys have to hang out together so much. And now I think in this this year that we're in now with COVID and all that stuff, I think these guys are going to be spending even more time together on the bus, on the, you know, in hotels, just quarantine locked in. And having a guy like Ricky Rubio that can just relate to Anthony Edwards about losing a loved one to cancer, to being a top draft pick in Minnesota, to having ups and downs your rookie year, to dealing with injuries. Rubio's done it all. <laughs> so yeah. he knows how to connect with these guys. And I think it's one thing for a coach to tell you something, but if it's a guy that you're in the foxhole with next to you, that's going to be playing out there on the court. I just don't think you can scoff at it, man. Cause I think it's, I, I there's a reason Udonis Haslam keeps getting paid. He's not yeah. good. And God, God forbid Udonis Haslam savage when he was in his prime washed though. Okay. Don't tell him that. Cause he's scary as hell, but like, he, he still keeps getting paid, man. It's because he's a bench influence and he's on the bus and he's talking to Bam and he's talking to those young guys and he's taking Tyler here under his wing. So I'm with you. The Rubio reunion, the veteran leadership, Ed Davis. Also, by the way, we're just kind of like grazing over him because we don't want to just go on a Ed Davis tangent. But Dame, Dame Lillard's favorite teammate of all time. And that, I mean, that should just say enough right there. Like when asked who your favorite teammate is, Ed Davis that's enough for me because Dame is one of the best teammates in the league. And for him to say Ed Davis, the Wolves pulled off a heist by giving out two guys that had no interest in being here. And they gave up second round pick by the time I'm 40. So I'm not worried about it. So that was a brilliant little move to bring in a guy that also, and you know this, I think, right? Ed Davis can still kind of play. He's not what he used yeah. to be, but he can protect the rim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm still unsure on Davis, you know, before we move on, whether he, like what kind of role he sees actually on the floor? Like I think he, I think he's purely a, a center these days. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, doesn't. I, yeah, I think especially in this system, you know, a guy who doesn't stretch the floor at all, like doesn't shoot threes ever. You know, for for full seasons has not shoot a shot a single three. Um, and I think he he's pretty nimble and, and he can switch, um, in a pinch. But but he's not the four. You know, he's not the, the backup four. I think they want for this team. So I think it's it's pretty much a. Uh, like a training camp battle between him and Nas Reed, and I know they really like Nas Reed, and they really want to capitalize on that asset that they that they gained last year. That that's obviously, I think, one of their their biggest coups was was Nas Reed and what they were able to do with him as an undrafted free agent. So I'm not sure. I'm still not sure whether they'll get you get minutes out of Ed Davis. I I do want to see minutes out of him because I think that he's the kind of defensive presence and and rebounder that they could use. You know, for five, ten minutes a night when the situation arises. But yeah, I'm not going to go too deep into that. But I think that that it'll be interesting to see the the Reed versus Davis battle. And I and I think he also too like the James Johnson, who was obviously traded for Ricky Rubio. Um, James Johnson wasn't a long term figure here, but he was like a double black belt. Uh, and and every team does need <clears throat> like a quote unquote enforcer. You know, I I, I again. I think I've said this to you specifically, but I, I was thinking back to when Jarrett Culver just yammed on Robin Lopez and was kind of talking some, you know, talking some talk and it was going back and Robin Lopez charged at him and the Wolves didn't really have anyone to like kind of stand up for him. I think Ed Davis yeah. would do that. I think Ed Davis is yeah. respected around the league that if Anthony Edwards gets hard fouled on a breakaway, Ed Davis is going to be the guy that's like, I'll get suspended. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. get tossed. So I think you, and I don't think you can overplay how important that is too. So good veteran leadership, the Wolves. You know, the Wolves had some, too. I mean, Jimmy Butler was a good veteran. I don't know if he knew how to lead. Um, but 
I mean, this is much better than Jeff Teague. You know what I mean? Like they got guys that have been through some wars that have been through some, some things personally. And I think that's a great point by you. Yeah. So, so moving on to my final hell, I know we kind of mixed a few of them together there, but my final hell, it, it, it's the, the small ball lineup. Um, also known as the funk, the whole funk and nothing but the funk. That's what I'll be calling it for, for the for the rest of the season. Um, it's the, the Rubio, Russell, Beasley, Edwards towns, which which is just weird. I love it. Um, I realize it's not it's not tenable as a starting lineup probably, and and that it's probably going to be a disaster defensively. But that this is a five man unit that is so much fun. It's got flair. I don't care how tenable it is. I just want to see Ryan Saunders deploy it for for ten minutes a game, for five minutes a game. Um, like in in actual, like it's 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 the the problems it has on defense is the same problems I think it could cause for opposing defenses. It's it's a five you know five player players that will run the legs off teams. They're going to get to the basket at will in transition. They're going to shoot the heck out of it. Uh, like if you can somehow put together a couple of possessions of solid defense. I think that that tiny, you know, micro ball funk lineup can can blow a game open with their offensive firepower. Um, and and I think I think to make things even even weirder, I'd love for them to just play that lineup and then just play as and then just run zone on defense <laughs> for for all, for all the minutes that those guys are in there. Like let them use the length and the agility and the and the speed that they possess to jump up the game and, and funnel guys into towns to use. Which you know he's one of his only defensive strength, which I think is blocking shots when they're when they're there to be blocked. When he doesn't have to think too much, when he can just be that that rim protector that the, uh, someone's been funneled into. Um, it's still going to be bad defensively, um, but for five ten minutes a game, I think you throw a different a different look at the opposition, a different look than they've maybe seen all season from from any team. And then you just try and hit them hard with with offensive firepower, get guys sprinting down the wings, Anthony Edwards. Poster and dudes, Malik Beasley jacking up threes, you know, D'Angelo Russell doing James Harden step backs, um, Cat just being Cat. Like, that, that's a fun ass team, man. Like, it's a fun ass, like, five man unit. And, and I know it's not tenable, but but I love it. So, if for those of you that don't know, this is like a little behind the curtain how the sausage is made. Jake and I have become pretty good friends. And we made our own agendas here and our own lists. And somehow, someway, we came out with the exact same list. Because my third howl <laughs> was just simply, I put Ant-Man, greater sign, Ant-Boy. And I just, I, I, it's like a nugget of what you just said. But my whole third howl is Anthony Edwards playing power forward. Um, <laughs> I don't know, again, I don't know what the defense is going to look like. I'm totally down for this 72-game season to be an experiment. Um, I'm not on the team like this team has to make the playoff type stuff. I don't want them to suck forever. It's not good for my heart. It's also not good for the website. I mean, it's not good for anything in general to have a bad <laughs> team, but I don't think you're going to take a team that has no chemistry whatsoever and they're not allowed to fly to the Bahamas because of the pandemic and just become like a 42 and 30 team. So that's why I'm with you. Let's just experiment. Anthony Edwards grew an inch and added almost 10 pounds this summer. So, like, here again, you're, like, really good at analytics. Here are my analytics. P.J. Tucker's 35. Anthony Edwards is 19. Anthony Edwards and P.J. Tucker are the same height, and Anthony Edwards weighs 12 pounds less than P.J. Tucker. When you watch P.J. Tucker play, I think he's the biggest guy. Like, just the thickest. Yeah. Like, lifts, yeah. The, lifts all the weights he, in the weight room. He's the biggest six foot six dude, like, that's ever been born. Right. And 
So I don't think, again, PJ Tucker's been in the league for a while. He's been overseas. He's been through some wars. Anthony Edwards hasn't done any of that stuff. But I think knowing how much the Wolves front office researched, I mean, the people that they talked to on Anthony Edwards would blow your mind. I mean, they were digging deep like he was applying for a CIA position. Especially would, when you have those question marks about his, you know, yeah. love of the game and stuff. Like, they would have gone even further than they would, you know, usually with any prospect. So, like, they've done their research. And, and I honestly think, too, with how not only smart their front office is, but they have, like, Dr. Robbie Sika and they have some of these other guys in their front office that are really smart medical people. I wouldn't be surprised if we do a Howls and Grouse in June 2021 and Anthony Edwards is 6'8". 235. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, like, he just turned 19 two months ago and he grew an inch. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that that kid puts on eight to 10 pounds once he starts to lift in an NBA facility and not a college facility. So, I don't think, does he, does he have some question marks on his basketball IQ? Of course. Does he have some question marks on his jump shot or, you know, some of his basketball things? Yeah. I think the biggest Anthony Edwards related topic that we're not talking about enough is that that dude is coming in with like a 25 year old LeBron type build. Like that is huge. So going back to your how he can play the four, like just put him out there for a little bit. Just get weird. Like, what are you going to do? Give up points. I've seen that before. Like see what you can do because if he could play a good amount of time at that, you know, three, four small ball, that would open up so many more opportunities because they have a lot of guards. You know that better than anyone. Um, and I'm just, I'm just impressed. I think that's why you draft a guy who has a man's body at 19 over maybe a lamello ball or something. Because I think if that dude only continues to fill out, I mean, he's not Zion, but dude, he's thick. And he, he just like, he just became able to vote a couple months ago or well, over a year ago, but still like, that's crazy. So I'm with you. I think that they could play weird. I think him and Josh Okogie could give guys fits on the perimeter. And I think they can rebound at their positions. So. Yeah, and I think if you if, when you watch Georgia, they they definitely weren't opposed to having Anthony Edwards guard fours at times. Like they they switched a lot Georgia, and they switched a lot with Edwards because they they didn't really want him um, in in the in the heat of the defense a lot. Like they kind of looked to to switch him any chance they got. But like there was a lot. Like I just finished watching a few games uh, to, like yesterday and today, and like I'd say he would have spent twenty thirty percent of his time guarding fours. And, and that's not, you know, big fours, but, but guys who are six foot seven, six foot eight, you know, six foot nine, like if, like, like, I know Juancho Hernan Gomez obviously re-signed, but like, he could guard Hernan Gomez. Like a guy who's a spot up, you know, stretched four, who doesn't really dribble or, or get to the rim that much, like, I'm sure Anthony Edwards can, can do just as well on a guy like that as he can on, you know, a, a starting two guard or a starting three, like, He's not going to be a good defender, I think, on anybody. So I don't see what you lose by by putting him at, the, him at the four, as long as the four that he's guarding isn't, you know, the star player. Like if he's, like, you don't want him guarding Anthony Davis. Like, right, and, 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 that, can... and that's a great point, though. Like when they play the Lakers, you probably have to play big. I mean, the, the, yeah, I, you know, one thing that Rosas said when he came in here is that he wanted they their goal is to make other teams kind of react to how they play. Well. <laughs> You have to be good to do that. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a dream. And if they can get to that, then more power to them. But for now, people aren't coming into an arena reacting to how the Timberwolves play. The Timberwolves need to react how they play. So, yeah, when they play the Lakers and the Lakers throw out, you know, AD and, and Montrez Harrell, 
the Wolves are probably going to have to go uh, an Ed Davis-Towns combo or, or a Wancho-Towns combo. But just off the top of my head, I was thinking about this before we started this Zoom. I kind of feel like power forward is like, the right now, the weakest position in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like I'm thinking, sure. like, I'm thinking of like a Denver um, who, who re-signed Paul Millsap and stuff. Paul Millsap is a show of himself, still a very good player, but like Anthony Edwards can guard him. Paul Millsap isn't like going to do anything crazy at, at his age and what his game is now. Just throw Anthony Edwards on him. And like, what's the worst case scenario? They just start throwing post ups to Millsap? I think to that okay. point, yeah, I think to that point, it's more that like how many first option fours are there? Like, I don't think that, you know, if you have Anthony David, uh, Anthony Edwards, sorry, on, on Paul Millsap, who I'm, I'm sure Paul Millsap could give Anthony Edwards buckets, like, because Anthony Edwards is just not very good on defense. But at the end of the day, like, Jokic is going to get his, Jamal Murray's going to get his, like, there's just not a lot of first option fours that teams will be willing to run an offense through just because they've got Anthony Edwards on them, especially when you, play for the Timberwolves and you've also got Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell on the floor who can also be attacked defensively. Like, I just think that, I think more in that small ball lineup, I think the issue is more Malik Beasley playing the three yeah, yeah. Than, it, than, it, than it is Edwards playing the four because I think Malik Beasley's too small to play the, the three and just not good enough defensively at all. To And there's so many more, you know, high volume, high usage small forwards in the league than there is power forwards right now. Um, so maybe maybe you throw Josh Cody in there since you already have, you know, a bunch of scoring and a, and a bunch of playmaking in there with, with Rubio and, and Russell and Towns. But, uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot of fun small ball lineups. And, and I know that the traditionalists hate small ball lineups and they, and they hate guards who, who can't defend and, and, and this and that. But I just think that if you can't have fun watching four you know, high usage, offensive juggernaut type players just, just you know, kick the can down the road and and, and run, a, run a hell of fun offense, then, you know, what, what are we doing here? Like, the Timberwolves aren't going to win the championship, but, I, like, if I can see that unit go on a 20-0 to stretch in, in two games for this season, um, even a 20-10 to to stretch because they can't get a stop, like, like, that's fun for me. And I know it's not ideal. I know we want to win... But like that's how that's how you win, I think, with a team that's not not built with a roster that's that's in the top end of the West. Like you just you gotta throw some different things at teams. You gotta, you gotta throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and, and you gotta have growing pains. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like because I, I was just again, I'm I'm going through my analytics here. I'm literally googling guys' heights and and weights. But uh, Anthony Edwards is the exact same height and weight as Draymond Green. And Draymond Green yeah. again, again, Draymond Green is a elite defensive. Hall of Fame type player, Anthony Edwards is a rookie. But I'm just saying, like, you can, if Anthony Edwards, the, the questions about his love for basketball and his toughness, if those were, if those were mute and we're not worried about them and the Wolves are like, hey, that was just nothing, like, get this kid in our program and he loves basketball. I mean, they're the same size. So Draymond Green's banging guys in the post all the time, guarding, getting rebounds. Like, if Anthony Edwards, if you can, again, this is a stretch what you and I are talking about, but if you can get him to do that, it opens up such more possibilities because for the longest time, I mean, Draymond Green was, you know, in the old coaching staff before Steve Kerr came in, like he was, you know, under Mark Jackson, he was playing a lot more traditional kind of small forward stuff. And like, they started tinkering, like, like you were talking about, they started experimenting and also they opened up the the death lineup or their, their original lineup with Harrison Barnes and Stephen Clay, but that's how you do it. That's what this season is about. So I think your grand scheme here of just like, let's get weird 
for 72 games. I mean, the season's going to be so weird with COVID. You're going to see guys miss games. Just throw out weird lineups and see what you can do. Um, and then you'll know next season, when I think is the season when they need to start actually like sniffing a home court advantage type scenario in the West. That's when you'll know if it works. And if it doesn't work, then you got the data that shows you that this isn't going to work. Anthony Edwards has to play two or three. So I love that. I, yeah. I, I, as soon as it happens, I'm texting you right away because that lineup sounds so fun. Like you said, I don't know if they'll stop anyone, but I don't know too. Like I think you like. Do you think Malik Beasley can guard just a little more than people think? Yeah, and I think that I think that Beasley with Beasley, it's it's the weight that yeah. hurts him. Yeah. I think yeah, that, I think he, he wants to. I think with Russell, you know, and Edwards at times, you get the sense that they don't want to defend. They want to take a playoff to to get a breather and to you know to save themselves for the offensive end where obviously they do all their work. And, and I don't think Towns is like that really. I think Towns is more uh, similar with Beasley where it's kind of like the basketball IQ defensively is not quite there rather than the, the not wanting to play defense. I think Towns gets, Towns gets a bad reputation that he that he doesn't like playing defense or he doesn't want to where I think Towns just doesn't know how to and yeah. has never learned and is never really picked up on, on how to do it. I think Beasley's a bit like that too, but I think Beasley's put on weight this, this off season. He's, you know, active as hell on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and, and he's, you know, been posting his weight and, and all of the huge meals he eats. So I think that he knows he needs to put on weight to, but to get through screens, cause he just gets flatlined by screens. Yeah. Um, just a and he, yeah. And he wants to, he wants to play defense, but I think, he he's not really built for it. He's not overly long. Like he's athletic, but but there's a difference between you know dunking on someone and, and sliding your feet laterally and, and being able to guard dudes and, and, uh, and defensively. And the key to that, you know, the key to the small ball. And I should pref I should say this too because PJ Tucker, Anthony Edwards, my little mini comp. Like PJ Tucker, man, is totally cool. Never scoring. Like that dude is just okay doing everything dirty on the court, getting all the rebounds. The problem with that small ball lineup, and the problem with really any Timberwolves lineup we've seen lately, is can they rebound? Like, can they, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so uh, who, who's going to dive in to get a rebound when they need to in, in a close, you know, fourth quarter situation? Is Anthony Edwards going to put his body out there to get it? Is is Russell well, going to who, who's the se- Who's the second leading rebounder on that, that small ball lineup? Like, is it Rubio? It's probably Rubio. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he, like, it's, you know, Edwards can get up for a rebound. Beasley... You know, we we I've seen a lot that that people liked his rebounding more, but I think that's just because we were used to Andrew Wiggins, who just didn't rebound at all. Um, Russell, you know, is, is a fairly good rebounder for a point guard. You know, he might get four or five a night at, at his best, but like, like there's no one on that team that that's that's getting a, re- a rebound if Towns gets boxed out. So, but, but if you can, like, if, if Ryan Saunders can get through to Anthony Edwards, and again, I, I'm I lean I lean pro Ryan Saunders. I don't really have any reason against him. I don't think he's been dealt very good cards since he took over. I mean, he took over when Tibbs was let go, and that was a mess. And then, you know, I don't think the Wolves will never say this, but they pretty much just tanked last year. I mean, that's how they, that's yeah. how the roster worked. That's how they held Carl back, or like in terms of not putting him out on the court when he had his wrist. Um, but now Ryan's got to do some stuff. But if Ryan Saunders can get through to Anthony Edwards and be like, hey, dude, you're huge. Go get the ball. Give it to Ricky. And then take off and you're getting an easy dunk. You know what I mean? Like, if you can get those little dangle the carrot in front of him, like, hey, if you go get that ball, I'll make sure that you get it on the other end to go dunk it. So those types yeah. of things to, are what are what coaches do. I mean, that's what, you know, Fanterpool and, and Pablo and those guys got to do is coach these guys up. But 
I, I again, I'm my third howl was all about Anthony Edwards. I was relieved as hell that it was him and not Lamelo Ball, um, for a multitude of reasons. But I just, I know it was a down draft. I just think Anthony Edwards, for better or worse, was kind of shit on throughout this draft process because we had less games than ever before, less data than ever before, and more time than ever before to nitpick these guys. Uh, and I think that kid should be playing in college right now. He skipped, you know, high school early. Uh, I think he's going to be awesome. So if the coach, it's on the coaching staff now. R- Rosas did what he had to do. Everyone did what they had to do to bring him in. The coach has got to coach him up. But I mean, I don't know, man. Can you think of anyone better right now to put their arm around Anthony Edwards and David Vanterpool? So it's time to time to coach yeah. him up. But I'm I'm so excited. I'm so in. I could be so wrong, and you guys could laugh at me hard down the road. But I'm the Kool Aid is been poured all over my body yeah and one last point with with edwards which this is obviously just a hunch and and i don't have any i guess you know inside intel to to lead me in this direction but i think that ryan saunders is the type of coach that will work for edwards i don't think he's the guy you know even though he needs discipline and he needs you know structure around him and, and guys who can show him the right way i don't think he needs tom thibodeau like i don't think he needs the coach that's going to, you know, smash the anvil down on him every time he does something wrong. I think he, I think he, just from the way he, he acts and the way that, that he carries himself, you have obviously watched interviews, we've heard him speak in press conferences, I've watched nearly every game that he played for Georgia and, and multiple high school games. Uh, I think that Edwards is a guy who, you don't need, he doesn't need to be coddled, but he needs to feel like, you aren't just yelling at him for the sake of yelling at him. Like you're, you want him to get better, but you're going to work with him to find a way to get better. You know, rather than just like telling him it's it's my way or the highway. And I think that's what Ryan Saunders is. It's a guy who who's flexible. He's obviously player orientated. He's um, a guy that that's the quote unquote players coach. So I, I think that'll be good for Edwards. I I don't know for sure. Like that's just a hunch. But no, but I, I think, think it's, I th- it's a great hunch though. Like I I think that's a great point. If you watch the introductory press conference when they were on center court of the of of uh, at Target Center, and Ryan Saunders was talking about Anthony Edwards, and he and he talked about his his you know his huge smile, and Anthony Edwards started smiling, kind of laughing. He was kind of shy about it, and Ryan like looked at him, was like, "See, that's that smile I'm talking about." So I think Ryan is very raw, raw, build a guy up. I mean, yeah, if the Timberwolves head coach was Jim Boylan, this probably isn't going to work. But it, and I'm almost to the point where I'm actually more concerned about Ryan trying to discipline a guy at some point. Like, that's where I want to see Ryan grow yeah. because I, I've got to talk to Ryan a little bit. He is such a, you know, quote-unquote player's coach. Um, but it, it, it's when, you know, he does the same mistake over and over again. Can you can you connect with him without him shutting you out? That that That'll be the growth time for Ryan but Ryan's been around basketball his whole life man like you don't think Ryan knows how to discipline a guy every now and then so I'm with you though I think there's a lot of coaches out there if Anthony Edwards falls to eight to the Knicks I don't think that's a great deal for him even though he's in a big market because I think Tom Thibodeau could ruin him so I think he's in a great spot they're gonna build him up I don't think he's just a trade chip I think they think that this is the guy with the highest ceiling to be a multi-time all-star um and, and again, too, I just don't think you can gloss over how young he is. Like, that kid should have been on some of the games that all of us listening to this, we were watching those college basketball games on Thanksgiving and on Friday and Saturday. That kid should have been playing in those. But he's suiting up for the Timberwolves in two weeks. So 
I think he needs a little. And he's the number one pick. Yeah. Like, and he came out of that as an 18 year old as the the best player in college basketball, or not the best player, but the the guy that every team wanted the most. And and even if you know the Wolves didn't get the first pick, like he would have went in the top two, guaranteed. Yep. He he was thought of more highly than Wiseman and on the same level as Ball, and I think that's just a fact because what well, going back to the start, he's he's the creator prospect. He's the wing that that in theory can can be the guy who can lead your team in scoring and and run an offense and be six six two thirty and be this you know freakishly sized human being like. I just, yeah, I, I think the best thing to do with that discipline aspect that you were talking about or the best thing for him is that Minnesota have these wings now. They have these guards. Like, he doesn't have to be Andrew Wiggins' rookie year where it's like, you know, just let him play 40 minutes a night and, and when he does something wrong, we just, you know, when he does something wrong over and over and over again, we just let him keep doing it until he figures out not to do it. Like, this is sit your ass on the bench, Malik Beasley, get up and, and play. Like, if you don't want to play defense you know, for, for 10 straight possessions, then Josh Cody's going to play defense in your, in your position. Uh, and you're still going to get the opportunities every night to fix that. But, but in this game, we're not going to let you, you know, lose us this game by not, by not trying or by, you know, having a poor motor. Like there's, there's depth there now. And, and those players behind him are going to need to get minutes regardless. So I think there's enough incentive for him to be like, well, I got I got to step up here. I can't take plays off like I did at Georgia. I, I'm not the entire offense. Like, there's no excuse not to to put these physical gifts and, and all the talent he have to has to use. Um, and, and that's one thing that I really think's working in his favor and working in the team's favor. And and you know what? My last thought on this is if he flops and he looks like he's a bust in 2020, 2022, let's say, then then pile on, pile on the front office. Pile on me, Ponza. But my last thought on this, and I, I tweeted this out the other day, but the number of days between the 2019 draft, so last year's draft, the number of days between the draft night and the first preseason game for Jarrett Culver, 110 days. 110 days to get acclimated with your coaches, get a key card to the practice facility, find a home. 110 days for Jarrett Culver. Number of days between the 2020 draft and our first preseason game for Anthony Edwards, 24. That dude, Not even a month. That dude has less than a month from the night that he had his name called and his life changed forever and he gets $10 million in his first year to the night that he suits up for in a Timberwolves jersey. So all I'm saying is, is if you've ever been the new guy at a school or in a job, just, you know what I mean? Like if he comes out and he airballs his first shot, he hasn't been playing basketball since March, just like everyone else in the world. Just give him some patience. But I think he, he as you said earlier in this ramble, he is such a great kid. Like, that dude has just an infectious smile. He loves to make people laugh. And I think he's going to bring just so much energy to the court. And you pair him with a Rubio, and you pair him with some guys, that Beasley, that love to play basketball. And I think, I'm hopeful, obviously, I'm optimistic, but I think it's going to be a really fun product. And I think at this point, I just want fun. You know what I mean? Give me 140 to 138 every night, and it'll be a coin flip who wins. I just want to see them get up and down, use that athleticism. You know how many times we've watched teams in the past that weren't athletic. You know how many Timberwolves teams of the past were just like, they were the least athletic group on the court every night? That's not going to be this team. This team is going to be a bunch of gazelles that also might be traffic cones on defense, but I'm hyped, as you can tell. Yeah, and and we've gone almost an hour now, and we haven't done any growls, so let's <laughs> let's let's tone we'll this down a little. We'll rip through them. 
Yeah, we'll rip through and we, we you both of us are pretty optimistic. You being, you know, the chief optimistic Timberwolves fan that there is. So I, I'd prefer to keep it pretty lighthearted for the, for most of this. But there was some things that that obviously, you know, they didn't they didn't hit draft night or the free agency out of the park by any means. I don't think Minnesota and and the obvious one for me, the the first growl that I have is is the power forward position. Um, it's it's the one that everyone's been talking about. It's what my entire timeline was, was filled with throughout the, the free agency process. Um, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I'm a big fan of Jake Lehman and Jared Vanderbilt. You're a big fan of both of those guys as well. But but I don't think either of those guys have exhibited the, the ability to play next to and enhance Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and that rings true for, for one show as well. So... Um, and one job I've been much more critical of, so so it's not like I'm gonna um, sit here and stick up for him. I think that the deal was better than a lot of people made out to be. I think I think people turned on one show really quickly. Um, you know, he he went from a guy that everyone loved in those 13 games to to a guy they turned on because they couldn't uh, find an upgrade for him. So so I don't want to be too harsh on on one show, but it's it's a problem. Like, the powerful opposition is a problem and we can't just uh, bypass that. I think there's there's no doubt that, that Rosas and, and, and the rest of the front office tried their best to find a suitable partner for Towns. Like, John Krasinski and Darren Wolfson and, and others have reported that they they offered players like Millsap, Derek Jones Jr., Jay Crowder. That they were all offered deals but, but declined for greener and, and hotter pastures. But... It doesn't make any less. It doesn't make it sting any less to to face another year of poor defense lining up next to Towns, and um, yeah, I just think that that I know they tried, and I know that it wasn't like they were completely negligent in in their search for a power forward. But I think it's an abject failure that they weren't able to find a guy, you know, the the that prototype that we always talk about, that guy who can defend the rim and can can cover for Towns on the backside and. and and be a communicator, a defensive communicator. Like it, it's a failure that they didn't find a guy like that. And I know they tried. They obviously, it's tough to get a guy to come to Minnesota. But um, yeah, I, I just think that that it wasn't their finest hour leaving free agency with with just one show as the four that they picked up or resigned. And as the optimistic one in this group, I have zero uh, pushback on that. I think it's fair to call it a failure. I think. The only thing I would do, and again, if you're listening to this and you hate my optimism, I wouldn't say this is an optimistic take. I'm just trying to explain it. But if, as you read, and then as you and I, you know, talk, we, we talked to some people, um, free agency started and they, they wanted the Beasley deal done. So they got Malik Beasley done because yeah. they wanted to control those terms. They wanted that uh, team option on the fourth year and they got it. So that was smart. They waited on Wancho. Wancho, as John Krasinski, I think, reported too. He came up and like, hey, I want $10 million a year. And they're like, okay, you go find that then. You go find that deal. And he didn't find it. And as you read the tea leaves, they pretty much looked at other guys before him. So as much as we thought maybe Wancho was a lock to come back, that piece about Derek Jones, if you read that Derek Jones interview, uh, that, that article about how he like was recruited out of Miami free agency, his first meeting was with the Kings because I think they had the most money to spend. And he was like, okay, show me the money. Like, what do you want to do? And it sounded like the meeting and the whole pitch went terribly because they're the Kings. And then Portland wowed him, and he was pretty much ready to sign with them. They were the second meeting he had. He was ready, like, okay, they're going to give me an opportunity and, and more more playing time. But then he did give the Wolves a chance, and the Wolves 
as he said in quotes in that article, the wolves wowed him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the wolves wowed him and he had to be like, wow, shit. Like now I have a tough decision. But back to your point, they did miss out on Millsap. They did miss out on Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was the guy I wanted, man. Like a small ball four, he would have been perfectly. He's also James Johnson, but can play. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So they missed out on those two guys. They missed out on Derek Jones Jr. And it sucks because... It doesn't make a Timberwolves fan feel any better that they were close or that they, you know, that they wowed a, wowed a free agent, but he didn't sign here. And I guess right. my only take is, is that, and it sucks, but I just think that they're a step behind those other teams. You know what I mean? Like Denver's rebuild. I mean, they're not rebuild. They're a contender now. They, they did it in the bubble. They're, they're going to get Millsap if the money's the same. He's going to go to a contender. Um, the Phoenix Suns, it sucks for the Wolves, but even the Phoenix Suns are a step ahead in their rebuild. So Crowder, if the mid-level is the same, he's going to take Phoenix's money. Uh, and same with Derek Jones. Like, I think he saw too many mouths defeat in Minnesota, which I think is a real concern with how many guys they want to touch the ball. Now, granted, Derek Jones, I don't know why he's so concerned about the pill because that dude's not offense. When I think of Derek Jones, yeah. I don't think of him shooting, God forbid. And I don't think Portland thinks about him shooting either, but – I just think the Wolves are a step behind those teams. I don't, you know, if it's a tie, Minnesota's not going to win a lot of those right now. But if, you know, if in a year from now or something, they have a bunch of studs, they could, they're going to be first in line when free agency opens on those pitches. And as we saw with D'Angelo Russell, as we saw, uh, J.J. Redick talked about this on a podcast this summer. The Wolves wow these guys, man. Even when J.J. Redick didn't sign with them, they sent him all the gifts and all the jerseys. He was like, holy shit, like, they have a like they really know what they're doing. They like know my daughter's name and stuff. So it doesn't help. And we saw it with Beasley. Yep. Like we saw it with Beasley when he, you know, when he resigned. Like they they hired out a house for him in Minnesota. They gave yep. him, you know, these twins jerseys and Vikings jerseys and, and you know stuff with his name on it, stuff with his son's name on it, and his you know family members and this and that. Like they go all out, and I think that's that's so smart from Rosas because he knows he'll never admit it, but he knows that. You have to wow a free agent yep. to get him to come to Minnesota. Like you can't just rely on the fact you won fifty games last year or the fact that you live, you know, you play in in Miami or in LA. Like you don't have those those natural things to just fall back on. Like you need to go all out. You need to get D'Angelo Russell in a helicopter to even make him consider coming to Minnesota. Um, and the, when I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to justify that because, like you said, it's still, we don't, you know, fans who have watched a losing team for 20, 30 years, like, they don't care yep. that you almost yep. got Derek Jones Jr. Like, they, they care that you, when you do get him. But what they need to do is build, they need to build the product on the court because that's the only other, yep. uh, that's the only other factor that's going to factor into it. The weather's always going to be, you know, below average compared to other NBA cities. The, the tax is always going to be worse than other cities, but the one thing that you can improve is the on-court product. And when you if you win, like you saw, as soon as Jimmy Butler came, like you know Jeff Teague signed immediately. And I know we aren't Jeff Teague fans really here, but like he he didn't think twice about other teams who would have been offering him similar money. Like Jamal Crawford, who was a three-time Six Man of the Year, signed a day later. Like as soon as players think that they might be able to win games, all that stuff gets put on the back burner all the weather and the tax you know that that all gets put on the back burner so you know what they need to do is win next year and then yep. next se- next off season that's when you'll get your Derek Jones Jr. and your Jay Crowder because you know that's why Phoenix got them because 
they sucked for so long. But as soon as Chris Paul came, there was no chance you, you, you're choosing Minnesota over Phoenix. Like, hey, co- coming runner-up's not going to mean shit when Anthony Davis has given Juancho Hernan Gomez 45-20 and 20 on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm with you. And again, and, but that, like, my counter to that is like, I, Rosas knows that too. Like, Sasha and Gupta knows and that too. And that's why like, he goes all out. That's why they're going all out with these expansive, like, you know, tours and dips. Yeah, like, Rosas doesn't think that Timberwolves fans are happy because Jarek Jones smiled on a Zoom call. Like, if, <laughs> if they go if they go 20 and 52, it's not going to mean shit. But as D'Angelo Russell is on the record saying, like, he was wowed by the Timberwolves, but the money made sense for him to take Golden State. But he was always thinking about the Timberwolves. And Ricky Rubio, the same thing. When Rosas went hunting for him last year, his first year at running the team, and Ruby was like, I'm not ready yet. Gers was like, okay, cool. Let's just keep talking. Like, you know, let's stay in touch. Like, give me a call if you're in Minnesota. When Robert Covington was traded, he came back and just hung out with Gers on Media Row. So these these relationships you're making and impressing agents, dude, agents run the league, man. The player empowerment thing, that's real. But these agents, they run the league. Look at what Clutch does. They, they <laughs> empower the players who, you know – put their stamp on the league. Like, the agents are the ones that, that give them the power to be at the centre of the player empowerment movement. Like, like you said, like, they're so important, the agents, and just just the reputation, word of mouth, is so important. Like, like next year when Derek Jones Jr. is on, on the Trailblazers and he's got four teammates who are all, you know, looking to, like they're going to be free agents at the end of the season and, and you know, they're shooting the shit about it. Like, yep. Derek Jones Jr. might say, like, man, you know, like, Gerson Roses and the, and the Timberwolves front office, like, they put on a show for me last year. And and that might just be enough to get their foot in the door. They might get rejected again, but, you know, they might not have ever got that interview or that meeting with without that word of mouth. And I know these, we're turning this growl into a, into a howl. No, because you're, but, you're um, right, though, because it goes back to, like, my veteran leadership thing. You don't see veteran leadership. You can't measure that. You can't measure this behind the scenes stuff because that that story about Derek Jones doesn't come out through the Minnesota media. That was put out by a national media guy that was, I think, working for like a bigger athletic. I don't know if he was the Miami Heat guy or whatever, but yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm with you, everyone that's listening. It doesn't mean anything unless you win basketball games. But you, it, we we saw just selling your soul to win basketball games for a year with Tom Thibodeau, and it blew up in our face. They're trying to build relationships. So that the Robert Covingtons of the world, if things aren't going well, they just come back and hang out. Or if Derek Jones all of a sudden finds himself trapped behind Zach Collins and Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic and he's not getting the playing time, you might see a guy demand a trade to Minnesota. You you just never know. And like your point too, like maybe free agents, Derek Jones, I mean agents have a lot of the same, like a lot of players are represented by one agent. So that agent was really impressed on the Derek Jones stuff. Maybe down the road there's another guy that's like, yeah, I'm, my first meeting is going to be with with Gerson Rosas because those guys know how to do it. So, but let's go back to growling and being mad. It sucks because the power forward position is. I did. I did never thought Juancho Hernan Gomez was going to be the slated power forward for game one, and it's it's less than ideal. Yeah, and it ties into what we were saying because the you know the more you bring back a Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, the less likely you are to win games, and then the less likely you are to to turn those free agents' heads in the future. So it, it does suck. Um, who, who would you start next to Towns? Would it be Wancho? Like, would you go with Lehman, who obviously isn't the same level of shooter, but I think he's a bit more versatile defensively? Or do you go with, like, Vanderbilt, who we're, we've 
we've loved and, and talked about in this podcast, but obviously is completely untried and, and could be, you know, a, a move that makes Saunders look, look really stupid. I, again, I'm probably the least educated writer at, 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 at Canis, but I think, I think you start with Jake Lehman because I think he gives you the, to start the season, I think he gives you the best chance to win games. I think that he's he, the best mix. I think of what they all bring. Like yep. he can shoot a little bit, he can defend a little bit. You know, he's athletic. Like he might not have the the elite skill. Like Vanderbilt's an elite rebounder by all accounts and by all G League and college film. He's an elite rebounder. Um, and Wancho showed he can be an elite shooter. But but Lehman kind of gives you a little bit of everything. And in, in I, I in an ideal world, I do think that they'll. I think they'll bring Rubio off the bench. I think you can start him too, but I think the way that this plays out is that he'll be coming off the bench. And I think if you're bringing him off the bench and trying to pair his minutes with like a with an Anthony Edwards, but then maybe bringing Wancho off the bench too and having that that Spanish connection from when they played in in uh, the Spanish national team, I think you can start to make like little clicks, you know, little friendship groups. And in, in, in that's because again, this team has no chemistry and they have really no time to put it together. So those little things like. Let's make sure that when Ricky's on the court, Wancho's on the court because those guys know how to play it. They know how to cut. They know how to do things. So I think Lehman to start the season, maybe Wancho in situational things where you just need a bigger human being on the court. And then as the season gets away from them, because I think it will for this season, that's when you bring in Vanderbilt. Because I think the only answer, if the, if you're not looking outside in the trade market and free agency, the only long-term possible solution on this team at the power forward position is Jared Vanderbilt. Because he's the only one that yeah. can can really do what this team needs to do. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I, I would have Lehman as a starter, and then I'd have Wancho as a guy who can who can spread the floor next to Rubio off the bench and, and add a little bit of scoring punch because I think that that what Wancho does is is shoot the ball and and score the ball. That's that's his uh, niche area, you know, on the court. And I don't think they need that really, like in the starting five. I think that you can play Lehman, who's more of a, a a cutter and an athletic kind of, you know, offensive rebound guy. You know, move around, hit some threes. Like, I think that's. I think you need that a little bit more than than just a pure scorer because you're obviously going to have at minimum Towns, Russell on the court, and then probably Beasley or Edwards. Like, that's that's your first, second, third option right there. So I don't think you need to think about scoring, really. I think you need to think about, you know, defense and, and rebounding. And maybe maybe that suggests that, that, that Vanderbilt should be that guy. But I just think Vanderbilt's so untested at the, at the moment in the NBA that, that it seems very unlikely that he would just be thrown to the Wolves as a starter from the first game when, when they've just re-signed a power forward for $7 million per and they have Lehman there who... Who played over ninety percent of his minutes at the four last year? Um, but yeah, uh, uh, moving on. Yeah, we've well, already talked about one. We've already talked about one of your drows, which was kind of the end of the the twenty twenty one. Uh, sorry, the the end of the draft. You know, the the value kind of mishap with with, with Balmara and McDaniel's. But what was your other one? And then I'll I'll give you one more, and then, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I'll keep this really short. We don't have to rant on it. But uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so a lot of us are stuck at home, and we're just. There's a lot of college basketball on, so I'm getting a lot of my friends starting to text me again about, hey, did you watch this game? Did you watch Jalen Suggs? Did you watch this? Cade Cunningham. This is more of just a plea. I don't care. The draft, <laughs> the, the, 20, the 2020 draft just happened. I haven't seen Anthony Edwards suit up yet. I don't. I barely know what number he's going to wear. I think it's number one. I don't give a bleep about any of the college players right now. 
I just want to watch these guys. Especially when Minnesota don't even have a pick. Right. And again, I mean, if things go super bad, I mean, they do still have that pick technically top three protected. Yeah. You would think that it's going to be outside that. So they're probably going to give up a semi really fun guy. But you know what? I don't care. I just want to watch these guys. I don't want you to text me about what Jalen Suggs did. I don't want you to text me about what Kate Cunningham did or the kid from Duke or the kid from the G League or the other kid from the G League. I just want to focus on the Timberwolves. It does suck that they don't have a draft pick. Like, it, it does suck that they had to pay the Wiggins tax to move on from him. But my, my counter to any of that is, is if you're bitching about it, just imagine if Andrew Wiggins was on the team. It, it, this, this whole thing would just, like, imagine if An- Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Edwards shared lockers next to each other and they both just hated basketball and then the world just exploded. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll pay the tax to get Wiggins down in the bay. I don't care about one year's of draft picks. It's going to suck. Next year's going to I have no idea what you're going to write about next summer. I have no idea what we're going to write about next summer if we don't have a pick. Well, let's just Second focus, round is- let's just focus on Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards before you start telling me about what Gonzaga did. So the 2021 yeah. draft, don't care. Not on my radar. I'm going to watch this NBA season. And then we'll pick it up maybe come March Madness or something. But for now, NBA, greater sign, NCAA. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you there, and and it is, like, I'll obviously, I won't keep the draft coverage going just because I had so much fun with it this year, but it definitely loses some of its pizzazz when when, when you prob- your team probably doesn't have a pick, um, and, and I'm sure they'll have a second rounder, and I'm sure I'll end up writing about guys who are going to go in the 40s, <laughs> pro- probably probably with 30 games left in the season when Minnesota have won, uh, you know, 10 and, 10 and 40. Um, but, yeah, I, I think for now... Uh, there's no point worrying or, or stressing over 2021 picks because it's it's so far away. We don't know what the Timberwolves are, what they're going to look like. Like for all we know, they might end up with Cade Cunningham. Like they might be terrible and come last and end up with the first pick again. Like it's just too far away to even speculate on any of that. And 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 you can have fun watching the 2021 class. Obviously, like you know, if you love college ball, then then that's great. Like, I also like watching college ball, but I think if you're trying to tie it back into the Timberwolves, it's it's too early for that, and I agree. I, I don't care about that at the moment. It's like, you know, the, the, the 2020 draft and all the lead-up to it because of the pandemic and everything, was, everyone can relate to this. It's kind of like going on an all-nighter, like an all-night binger, right? Like, you just had the best 24-hour party of your life, and you wake up on a Saturday, and your friend's like, hey, you want to do it again? I'm like, no. Like, I just want to <laughs> I just want to sit here and, like, regroup and figure out what I'm doing with my life, so... What I'm doing with my life is watching Anthony Edwards. Um, but yeah, guys like Tyler Metcalf, I mean, our, our friend at Canis, like he's he's already on the next year and he's so smart and he's good at that. But I just want yeah. to talk about, we haven't watched the Timberwolves play in almost 300 days. So I'm going to watch those guys. We'll figure out the draft pick stuff come lottery next May, June, July. Yeah, completely. And, and my last one before we wrap this up, which is is kind of similar to the first one with, with the power forward, but just more in general is... It's the mid-level Bermuda Triangle that, that's that's come about in Minnesota. It's it's where mid-level exceptions go to die. Uh, that's the, it's the second year straight that Minnesota have failed to give one out, and, and I recognise the fact that not using one has allowed them to to stay you know financially flexible and, and has allowed them to take back salary during trades throughout the season. Uh, but it, it's still worrying to me that that they haven't been able to find a player t- to take over $9 million to play with them. And, and we discussed this a little, you know, just before with with how hard it is to get a guy to come to Minnesota with the state of the team and and the, the state in general in, in the winters. But 
you know, players like, you know, Jamichael Green, Chris Boucher, Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, like, they all signed for way less than what Minnesota could have offered. And all of them was, would have fit very snugly on this roster. So as much as I trust the front office and I know that they're trying and, and, and I know that the path that, that they're on is, is one that, that I trust and one that I agree with, um, punting on helpful kind of win now players for, financial flexibility or, or, you know, financial flexibility on trades that have no guarantees of ever happening. Like, that that scares me. And just, I don't know, maybe it's my own selfishness. Like, when I, when we're sitting there and, and free agency opens and, and Woj and Shams are, like, dueling it out and there's a million deals going down every hour. Like, I just want to see one that, that's Minnesota. You know, the, Player X has signed a two-year $18 million deal with, with Minnesota because... It's it's not it's not as fun, not as much fun without that happening. Like I, 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 we have to wait for like two, three days for the Beasley news, and then we wait, you know, three, four days for the Weinstein news. And it's like I just want to see Minnesota pop up on my phone with my with my watch note, notification. Like, I'm so, give me something. I'm so with you. And my again, I'm God forbid, I'm not like an apologist here for the front office, but I guess going back to how we talked about Millsap and. and Derek Jones Jr., two guys that I yeah. know, well, I mean, not not that I know, I mean, it, I've been confirmed. But well, they would have been mid-level yeah, guys. They would have been, been guys. Like, so, like, the Wolves yeah. did try to get those guys. You know what I mean? Like, those were the yeah. guys that would have filled into that. Um, but, but again, at the end of the day, if you're not using it, you're not really improving your roster. But the counter to that is, is that, like, the Detroit Pistons, like, they don't, you don't have to spend your money today. Like, you, you can use that mid-level spot and that kind of stuff down the road or, like, I'm just glad that because Millsap and Derek Jones didn't take the bite, that then they just said, well, here's here here's the full mid-level for Jermichael Green. Because I'm not a huge Jermichael Green guy. Like, four or five million on a contender? Okay, that's fine. But, like, he's not a, to me, he's not a $10 million a year guy. So, I wish that they would have hit gold, like you said. I wish they would have got up here. But I'm also glad they didn't just say, well, F it. Here's the money. And give it to some give guy. To that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think as we near the end of this podcast, I don't think you want to do this, but like, can you imagine if you would have got the Wolves notification that they gave two years, 20 million to Bobby Portis? Cause that would have made me <laughs> go on a full week bender. So you know what I mean? Like I'm glad, that, what side. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't just give the money to someone. They were smarter than that. They, yeah. they didn't fill a hole. They, 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 they need to address the front court because Carl needs tough guys around him, but it's kind of, you know, chicken or egg. Like they didn't get it, but then they also didn't just say, screw it. We're just going to waste it. So, and uh, yeah, that, and that's it. Like, it, it, we the obvious caveat is that they they would have filled that mid level. You know, they would have you know extinguished that mid level Bermuda Triangle if they could have. Like, if someone had have just said yes to them, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would have been wouldn't have been having either of these conversations of of my growls that that uh, the growls of the free agency and the and the, and the trade. Like, but like we've said a million times now, like they didn't. And we have to address that. We have to discuss that or else I don't think we'd be doing our job, you know, as content creators if we didn't discuss the, the fact that, that, that they didn't do this. And yeah, it's the reasons make sense, but that doesn't make it any less annoying when you see these guys signing these deals that, that could have been for Minnesota. The fact, the fact that you didn't get that Woj bomb last week, <laughs> I do think sets up for a bigger Woj bomb down the road, maybe in the season, maybe before the trade deadline, because maybe you didn't see Paul Millsap for two years, $20 million in Minnesota, but maybe in February or March, you see a bigger name that's addressed via trade. Because 
I know this was a growl that we kind of talked about, but they have no money forever. <laughs> like, yeah. And, yeah. And if you look at Dane, Dane Moore has been tweeting them out, but like you look at their salary cap stuff, they have, they're not signing. Like if you love free agency and you love the Timberwolves, this isn't a good pairing because they're not signing anyone for a while unless they completely yeah. blow up the roster again, but it's going to be via trade. So it's, your next big Timberwolves Woj bomb isn't going to come in the allotted free agency time. It's going to come when you're sleeping two days after Valentine's Day or two days after Easter when all of a sudden you get this huge trade about they went out and got power forward X um, and it's going to blow your mind. But but again, I think it's important that you give me some pushback and say, like, listen, at the end of the day, do they have a hole in the front court? And the answer is yeah. So we can talk about Anthony Edwards being the size of P.J. Tucker, or we can talk about Jared Vanderbilt. Neither of those guys have really any NBA experience. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, you and I yeah. love him. He's played about 10 more minutes in the NBA than you and I have. So they have <laughs> they have prospects, but if you're trying to be competitive now, that's not – prospects don't win games, man. Like, veterans win games, guys that have been in the league. So it's a whole uh, – I imagine they'll address it down the road, but you're right to say, hey, you have this mid-level exception. Why aren't you using it? Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of the crux of it. I, I, like I said, I understand the reasoning and I understand why it's not happening, but it's still frustrating. And, and as a Timberwolves fan, it's it's pretty easy to get frustrated <laughs> just in general. Like it's a just it's one constant frustration. So we'll leave it at that. I know we're, we're leaving it on a bit of a sour note, but I think in general we we're both pretty optimistic about how this this offseason panned out and I think we're both pretty optimistic that this team is going to be fun it might not be really good but but it's definitely we're definitely happier now than we were you know six ten months ago like when where before the trade deadline like so I think in general we're we're more howls than growl to, to put it to put it that way um is that how you're feeling yeah and I mean like I said the team has sucked forever you know that better than anyone. Yeah. Anyone listening to this knows it sucks forever. So it sucks to say to go back to this, but I, I think you got to give this this team this in this situation where with the pandemic and stuff and how new everyone is. I think you need to give them that one early Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins year where uh, Flip Saunders had a dunks after dark thing, and it was really a college type atmosphere. Um, I know you're super hungry for wins. I am too, but I think patience just a little bit. Not forever. I don't think this has to be a four or five year trust rebuild, but I think you got to give this team to Valentine's Day to like figure out each other's names. And then we'll start to coordinate about some lineups that we like. And then you can start to break down. Does Beasley fit here anymore? Does Rubio fit here? Does D'Angelo Russell fit here? But just, just embrace it, man. We haven't watched basketball in nine months. Just enjoy these next couple of months. Cause this team has so much youth and athleticism. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm with you. There's some growls, but there's a lot more howls right now. Yeah, yeah. The perfect way to end it. Um, everyone listening, thank you for for listening throughout this whole off season. Um, I I'll probably get one more in with with Jack Borman before the the preseason game starts, and we can start to analyze actual Wolves basketball. But the the live draft podcast was by far was, the, the most listens up. Dude, that was so sick. Like, if you have if you have not listened to the live draft podcast it was tyler jack and jake that was phenomenal it was long it was great just put it in and just go do some chores and listen back 
You guys had some fantastic reactions to some picks. Um, that was phenomenal. I hope you guys do that again next year when the wolf, and you have to wait all the way to the wolves, like 38th <laughs> pick, but that was great. High five to that. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, it, it was by far the most listened to pod that we've done so far that, that I've done so far. So I appreciate all of that. Um, everyone who's listening, if you can, you know, drop a rating, a, a comment, you know, a like subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and I'll see you guys probably next week and, and we'll be, one week closer to Timberwolves basketball. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks again, Kyle. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man.